Good morning and welcome to Mystery Bible. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. We have been looking at Moses. We are now, uh, the last podcast, we dealt with his birth and his rescue. And we are looking from several vantage points and we're pulling information to look at the life of uh, this young man, his family, places that we're being taken to that the Bible doesn't mention anything. The Bible is like, a straightforward book. It just deals with the action. I know in Exodus in the Bible, we know that he's born. And then next thing you know, that he is in the middle of, uh, um, killing people and he, he takes off in, in chapter two, I think, uh, verses 11 in, in the Bible. He's gone running. Um, but when we're looking at all the sources, we are seeing some really interesting stuff that is happening behind the scenes and this is one of the reasons why I love pulling information from the other sources so that we can get a better understanding. I just love stories and I think um, within the stories are all of the principles of God and how we ought to um, receive them into our life, what we ought to do with them, how do we exercise, use them, utilize them to get what we want out of it and from his principles. And so we've been looking at several other books. We've been looking at uh, Josephus. We've been looking at the, uh, the book of Yasher. And we've been also incorporating uh, information from the legend of the Jews. And so we are, uh, uh, these are the sources that I am using right now here. There are other sources that I do pull information uh, from, but I usually uh, uh, stay around here so that it's not that uh, complicated. But we can extract from the story what God wants us to learn as we are reading about it. And I've tried to, before I, I was rushing through them where I just give you parts of things and so forth. But what I started to, to feel within myself, I wasn't doing, um, I was doing an injustice to you, the listener. And so I wanted to take my time and read so that you guys, because I know a lot of you are very busy. And I wanted you to uh, hear the uh, what is said within the other uh, um, documentation. That's why you see me reading it. Uh, because again, uh, I am mindful that we are all living and that we are moving through our space. But uh, uh, from listening to this podcast, doing the work or wherever, you can get a gist of what is going on. We know then that the last podcast we touched about his birth. And we touched a little about him being rescued um, by Pharaoh's daughter. So we want to take a look into uh, once she has accepted him, what was the surroundings like? What was happening um, after Pharaoh's uh, daughter um, took this baby into her family's life? And so we're going to take a peek at some of the things that was happening. First of all, what we're going to do is... Um, we're going to uh, take a look at chapter 69 because it does set something in play that I wanted you to bring in some additional information that was happening with um, with uh, Esau's family. And so that you could see again, this is a uh, both families that are things are happening with them. We know that Esau's family had gone. They had found their kings and they started one of the... Actually, the first king that they had was an African general that came to help them to fight in those several wars that we talked about 
with the wars against uh, Joseph's sons and so forth. So we are going to look at chapter 69, and um, we're going to look at uh, this in the book of uh, Jasher. So, and then we're going to bounce back and forth. So let me read that quickly, chapter 69. And the king of Edom died in those days, in the 18th year of his reign, and was buried in his temple, which he had built for himself as his royal resident in the land of Eden. And we know that that's Esau's family's land that they had claimed. And the children of Esau sent to Pethos, uh, which is upon the river, and they fetched from there a young man of beautiful eyes, comely aspects, whose name was Saul, and they made him king over them in the place of Samla. So we know then that they are, they love their kings, and they have to be handsome and so forth. And they picked one, and Saul reigned over the children of Esau in the land of Edom for 40 years. And when Pharaoh, king of Egypt, saw that the counsel which uh, Balaam had advised respecting the children of Israel did so, did not su- succeed, but that they still were fruitful, multiply and increase throughout the land of Egypt. Um, so we're looking at this guy. Remember that uh, prophet that had talked about that dream? And so we're going to go back to this dream because it does make, play a, um, a part in some uh, aspects of uh, Moses' young life. Then Pharaoh commanded in those days that a proclamation should be issued throughout Egypt to the children of Israel, saying, No man shall diminish anything of his daily labor. And so he's saying, you got to put in the work. And uh, if you don't put in the work, I'm going to take your child. And the man who shall be found deficient in his labor, which he performed daily, whether in mortar or in brick, then his youngest son shall be put in their place. So we see that this labor camp is picking up speed. And the labor of the Egyptians strengthened upon the children of Israel in those days. And behold, if one brick was deficient in any man's daily labor, the Egyptian took his youngest boy by force from his mother and they put him into the building in its place. And so um, we talked about this last week. Uh, You know, we're looking, we have a chance to see some of these buildings that we look at in Egypt and so forth. And it would be fascinating to see. Uh, But this, um, the book of Yasha tells us that within the buildings were sons of the uh, Israelite people put into those buildings, which is something that the Bible doesn't talk about. But here we see some um, documentation as to that. So let's go into um, chapter 70. I wanted to bring that to you guys just to, because uh, that's how I ended the last podcast. So chapter 70 of um, the book of Yasher begins with this young man's life. And we are going to uh, jump back and forth uh, between this book. We're going to look at the legend of the Jews for some of the things there and see how they, what are their perspective on the same story, if you will. And this has always been fascinating to me because uh, you know us human beings. Uh, I give an example of the the um, 
the New Testament, you have all of these writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you have these uh, books written about events, same events that happen, and yet all of these um, uh, writers are looking at it from different points of view, different vantage points, as I've been telling you guys, and they're extracting information that they see or deem important out of the story based on that individual. We know that Luke was much more of a physician, and so Luke's writing is more detailed than that of John. Um, we know that the lineage was more important to Matthew, and so Matthew focused on the lineage of Jesus Christ. We know that all of these different um, uh, writers are looking at the story from different point of view based on their background, their, their, you know, their family and all the different things, and they extract different things. And so that's what we see. That's why I don't panic when people say, oh, the Bible is, is, um, is contradicting itself. Well, um, it's just different writers writing from different point of view. Just like if you see something, you and I see something, and um, let's say we saw a crime or whatever, and the police comes to us and, and then start asking us for a description, all of us are going to come up with different description, but yet we uh, saw a the singular event. And so if that, uh, based on my description and your description, if, it's, if there's a problem there, did the event not happen? It doesn't make any sense. Did, did we contradict? We probably did. But did the event happen? And so we focus on the contradiction and not the event. And so when people start these arguments, I look at them and go, wow, that's really crazy because the event happened. Both of them said that an event happened. It's just how they're looking at the event. So the... Um, where they focus their argument doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, that's just my two cents that I put in there. So let's see, uh, let's get some insight into uh, the um, this infant as he's living within the palace now. And um, uh, he is brought, uh, uh, remember that he was first taken to his mother, his parents. So we're going to go with that story first. Let's uh, go to that side and... Um, and see what it says going from that side. So we know that when this young man was brought, he went back to his family, and we are looking at the legend of the Jews. So we'll pull from that first. So for two years, the child rescued by Pharaoh's daughter stayed with his parents and his kindred. They gave him various names. So um, his father gave him a name, Heber. His mother gave him another name. His brother gave him a name. His sister gave him a name. His grandfather gave him a name. Everybody, the children of everybody was given this kid name. But the name that he ended up with was Moses, which was given by um, Pharaoh's daughter. And so the, in the legend of the Jews, it tells of all the different names of who named him and what they call him. So it must have been a crazy household. You're talking about um, they can't even decide on a name because the father, let's see what this says, the, the parents, while he was there, he got various names. His father called him Heber because it was for the child's sake that he had been reunite, reunited with his mo his wife. His mother named him um, Jekyll, 
because she said, I have set my hope upon God. I mean, it goes on and on. The sister Miriam um, called him Jared because she had descended to the stream to ascend, uh, to, uh, uh, to grab him. Uh, the brother Aaron called him Abu uh, Zana because his father who had... So we see all this stuff, and then it says his grandfather who had uh, knew him as Abu uh, Gidor. So within this family, you see that this poor kid got all kinds of names. and um, uh, But they all recognize something in him. And so, uh, you know... Uh, let's pick up from, you know, I've mentioned to you the, the, the names and all that stuff. Let's go. It says, his kindred all and all Israel knew that the child was destined for great things, for he was barely four months old when he began to prophesy, saying. So now we have this baby, according to the legend of the Jews. He is a couple of months old, and he is prophesying in days to come, I shall receive the Torah from the flaming torch. And so we see this, this is not mentioned in the Bible. Again, the legend of the Jews. This is uh, their stories that they have passed on and they uh, have written down so you and I can have access to it. And so when um, uh, Jochebed took the child to the place at the end of two years, Pharaoh's daughter called him Moses. So we see that his name ended up with um, what Pharaoh's daughter decreed, and that is what we and how we know him. And uh, he was told, we were told that his name would be Moses anyway. So, uh, so she called him Moses because she had drawn him out of the water. We talked about that at the beginning. It's uh, Mo uh, and Uses uh, put together Moses. And so, um, because she had drawn him up from the water, of Israel out of the land of Egypt in the day come. And this was the only name whereby God called the son of Aramron, the name conferred upon him by Pharaoh's daughter. He said to the princess, Moses was not your child, yet thou didst treat him as such. For this I will call thee my daughter. Though Thou art not my daughter, and therefore the princess, the daughter of Pharaoh, bears the name um, Bethia, the daughter of God. She married Caleb later on, and he was a suitable husband for her. As she stood up against her father, wicked counsel, so Caleb stood up against the counsel of his fellow messengers sent to spy out the land of Canaan for recusing Moses and for her own pious deed. She was permitted to enter paradise alive. What a testimony. Caleb, we all know who he is. Caleb was that man that walked by faith. Remember, he was, uh, the Bible does not go into this, uh, he was the um, one of the 12 spies that he walked by faith, him and Joshua walked by faith, because when they walked into the promised land that was filled with giants, um, you know, and again, the giants, guys, they had produce, grapes, where it took two men with a staff uh, to bring a bunch of grapes out. So that's some really interesting stuff. And it's really fascinating how we've lost all of that 
um, knowledge uh, to produce that type of um, fruit on this planet. But according to the Bible, that was how that place is. So imagine that tree, that that grape, those vines that those grape came on, and imagine all the other trees and the fruits that they had, the fruit that they had in that place, how um, big it was, because this land was truly a land of milk and honey. So, but I want to let you guys know, in your land of milk and honey, will always be giants, and it's how you see them. How do you see your giants? Do you see them as giants, where you are looking at yourself as grasshoppers, or are you looking at your giants going, man, I can take this, I can take these people down. So Caleb was one of those. He was the second guy that believed that they can take them down along with um, Joshua and all the other 12 preachers, the other uh, um, the preachers within that 12 uh, did what they did. And we know that 10 of them were preached heresy and two of them preached faith. And the people believed the 10 that um, preached fear and unbelief and they went into the desert for the desert for, for 40 years. So what are you listening to? What are you being taught? Are you being taught um, belief, faith, or are you being preached uh, uh, fear? Who are you listening to, guys? It's very important. Um, let me walk you through a principle, and then we'll go back in. Uh, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing. And this is faith. This is not about Christian faith or any of that faith. Faith, belief, comes by hearing. So it's a human principle. Um, so you and I have this ability, you that are listening to the podcast, you, faith is not there when you listen to it. Faith is only present when it, when one begins to hear what is being said. And so there's a difference between listening and hearing. And Jesus said, let those who have ears, let them hear. And so your responsibility and my responsibility is to turn our listening into hearing. And when we hear whatever someone is saying, if you're listening to a friend of yours and you switch over from listening to hearing it, you are going to believe what is said and you will be caught up with whatever that is. You will partner with it, if you will. And so a lot of people got to be very careful as to where and who you're listening to because your listening will become hearing. And once you've heard, guys, you're doomed, depending on what you're listening to. So be very careful. Be a guard of your hearing, of your listening, so that you will learn how to hear correctly. That's just for you guys. So we see then that um, uh, uh, these guys, as we are saying here in the word that, uh, you know, Pharaoh calls him, uh, um, not Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter called him this, and she was the one that God had allowed to uh, marry Caleb. And Caleb, you know, is a a warrior within the pages of the Bible. So let's continue um, who this thing it says. She was permitted to enter paradise alive. Remember, this day you will be with me in paradise, Jesus said. This was the holding space where uh, people who died would go. When Jesus came, the Bible says he released those. And remember, 
it tells us that Jesus, when he was released, it wasn't just him that came out. It was thousands of people who were all over the place that came out of paradise. And it's, it's documented within the pages of the Bible. And you can see that there's other people other than Jesus that came out of paradise. And he turned to the, to the thief and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. So, uh, there, and then let's go on and read in, in the, um, the legend of the Jews and we'll, jump over to the other books. It says that Moses might receive the treatment of uh, at court, usually accorded to a prince. And so we see then that um, because of who she is and that she fought her dad so that uh, he, Moses standing within the um, family tree as far as where, how he's treated within the palace. So uh, we see that um, uh, Bethia pretended that she was with child for some time before she had fetched away from her parents' house. His royal foster mother ceased and kissed him constantly, and on account of his extraordinary beauty, she would not permit him ever to quiet, quiet the, pal the palace. Whoever set eyes on him could not leave off from looking at him. Wherefore, Pythia feared to allow him out of her sight. So we know that she was a protective mother. And uh, she was driven by fear. She was afraid that uh, uh, over him. And so she protected him. And uh, Moses' understanding was far beyond his years. His instructors observed that he did uh, disclose keener comprehension than, than is usual at his age. All his action in his infancy promised great, greater ones that after he should come to man's estate, and he was but three years old. So here this three-year-old, as they say, um, spitting wisdom to all the other people of his time. And I know my kids will love that I said that. So God granted him remark mar remarkable signs. As for his beauty, it was so attractive that frequently those meeting him as he was carried along on the road would obligate to turn and stare at this young man. They would leave what they were about and stand still a great while looking after him for the loveliness of the child was so wondrous that it held the gaze of the spectators. The daughters of Pharaoh perceived Moses to be an extraordinary lad, adopted him as her own, for she had no child of her own. She informed her father of her intention concerning him in, the, in these words. I have brought up a child who is divine in form and of an excellent mind, and I have received him through the bounty of the river in a wonderful way. I have thought it proper to adopt him as my son and as the heir of your kingdom. <laughs> and when she had spoken thus, she put the infant between her father's hand, and he took him and hugged him close to his breast. 
So we see then from this point of view, from the legend of the Jews, if you will, that uh, from that vantage point, we see some uh, little story that took place there, which is really a cool thing. And we can extract a couple of stuff that was never mentioned within the Bible, Caleb's wife, that Pharaoh's daughter became Caleb's wife, and uh, that God honored her, and um, she was able to be a part of the uh, the children of Egypt, I mean, the children of Israel, and the Bible, told, according to another Bible, according to the legend of the Jews, that she was there also in paradise when she got a chance to meet Yeshua Jesus after his death when, and when he went down to deal with all of those there. He went actually to preach the gospel to them and said, I am he, I am the one that you guys have been waiting for. And uh, the celebration was that when he rose, they came with him and so forth. So now we're going to pick up in Josephus. And remember, Josephus is a historian that at the time, so he's just clocking in what was happening at the time. He's writing it down. So what we're going to do is um, I'll pick up, I think what I'll do is just, uh, uh, um, I'll, I'll do, I'll, let me talk about it right now, and then we'll pick up later because it looks like we're going to have to go to another one just for this podcast dealing with this specific subject because the other um, sources have some additional stuff, which is really, really cool. And maybe, okay, let's go with this one. We are now in Josephus. and says, Thamarius, uh, we know this is uh, Pharaoh's daughter. It says, therefore, perceiving him to be a remarkable child, adopted him for her son. Having no child of her own, and when one time she carried Moses to her father, she showed him to him and said through, uh, to make him her successor. So he told, we read that in the other uh, source. If it should please God, she should have no legitimate child of her own. And to him, I have brought up a, a child who is of a divine form and of a generous mind. And as I have received him from the bounty of the river, we saw that this was her testimony to her dad, telling him about how did she get, how did she get this son. And so we see that Josephus is, um, uh, he's agreeing with that, you know, he's sanctioning, he's saying, yeah, that's how it happened. And so he's telling the story from his point of view. I thought proper to adopt him as my son and the heir of thy kingdom. And she said this. She put the infant into her father's hand. So he took him and hugged him to his breast. And so we saw that that was the end of the legend of the Jews. So now uh, um, Josephus is going to continue the story as to what happened after he hugged this child. And on his daughter's account, in a pleasant way, put the Darian, um, it, not the, the diadem upon his head. That is a, um, it's it's like a a jewelry. It, it's a symbol, if you will, um, of authority, uh, a sovereignty, that kind of thing. So it's a crown jewel that he put on um, the child's head, and so. Uh, let's continue to see what happened. Again, uh, this was not mentioned within the legend of the Jews, but here in this historian piece, 
that uh, the king put this on the child's head, but Moses threw it down to the ground. And in a plural mood, or that particular uh, word is basically in a trivial fashion, he tossed it to the ground. Um, so it wasn't like a big deal to the child. <laughs> and that is not a good thing to do before the king. So let's see what happens. So this infant throws this thing on, on the ground. He weathered it around and brought it upon his feet, which seemed to bring along with evil parish concerning the kingdom of Egypt. But when the sacred scribe saw this, this is, we talked about this gentleman uh, uh, before. This is the guy that had that dream. And um, he, I mean, that interpreted uh, Pharaoh's dream for him. And so let's see what the, um, the historian says. But when the sacred scribe saw this, he was the person who foretold that his negativity would be dominion of that kingdom low. He made a violent attempt to kill him and crying. So this guy wanted to kill this little kid when he saw that and cry out in a frank, frightening manner. He said, this, O king, this child is he of whom God foretold that if we kill him, we shall be in no danger. He himself afforded an station to the prediction of the same thing by his trampling upon him. But this is where we see where Pharaoh's uh, daughter comes in now and says she prevented him and snatched the child away and the king was not hasty to slay him. God hid himself whose provinces protected Moses. God will always protect his own people. Man. Inclining the king to spare him. See, we talked about God's grace, and you guys listening to me, this is God's grace in in an example. Um, what is God's grace? You, those who are following me, it uh, it means grace of God means the divine influence upon the heart of the individual and the benefit that it brings to the believer or the one that is with God. And we saw that the grace of God worked in. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of it, and we studied those things as well, and we discussed it then. And the, the grace of, of God, the Bible says this about every man. The heart of the king is in the hand of God. Why? It, so that God can move it as a, a, a brook, uh, you know. And so God moves. And so, and, and we talked about that with, um, and we'll see it as we study Exodus. God was the one that was making, making Pharaoh's heart um, uh, harden his heart. Why? Because the Bible told, told uh, God tells uh, Moses, He will not let you go until um, his son dies. And so, even though Moses kept coming and telling him, it was not until because God had said it, and God, and so God kept changing his, making his heart harder, because God said He's not going to let you go until his son dies. So God's word is above everything else. I don't care what man says. So let's go back to the story because it really is a fascinating story. Some additional information being given to us from a historian. Josephus is a historian, okay? At the time, 
And there are actually several other historians that talk about uh, these same stories and stuff like that. Josephus was just one of many. There were a couple of other ones that um, that had volumes and volumes even more so than Josephus had. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of information that uh, talks about things outside of what is going on in other volumes that uh, um, uh, people didn't want us to know so that we can always question the Bible and the people within the Bible. So we know that she, uh, Pharaoh's daughter, prevented her uh, him from killing. We know that God protected him and spared him. It says, he was therefore educated with great care, so the Hebrew depended on him and were of good hopes great things would be done by him. But the Egyptians were suspicious of what would follow such his education. Yet because if Moses had seen been slain, there was no one, either kin or adopted, that had any oracle on his side for pertaining to the crown of Egypt, unlikely to be a greater advantage to them. They abstain from killing him. So everyone has their reasons as to why this man needs to be alive. Um, the Egyptians, uh, the children of Israel have theirs. God has his, and nobody's going to touch him because God has something to be done in his life. We are now in the book of Yasher, chapter 70, and we're going to finish with, with this. I'm just going to read parts of it, and that's it. And in the third year from um, the birth of Moses, Pharaoh was sitting at a banquet, and when he's, he's there with his queen and he's there with his daughter, so it goes into a lot more, a little more detail. His, uh, his wife is on, on his right-hand side, his daughter uh, Bethia is on the left, and the lad Moses was laying upon his uh, her bosom, and Balaam, the son of Borah, Balaam was the, the magician uh, at the time that interpreted the dream. So it says that he was there. It says um, Borah was with his two sons, and all the princes of the kingdom were sitting at the table in the king's presence. So now we are looking at this same incident with some additional information, as I said, from a different writer. And the lad stretched forth his hand upon the king's head and took the crown from the king's head and placed it on his own head. So we see one writer said that the king placed it on here and the other said that the lad grabbed it. My question is, did the event happen? So people would say that it contradicts. Yeah, from different writers. But did the event happen? The event did happen. That crown did come off of the king's head and went to the child. So the child had it. Um, that event happened. It says that the king put it on the thing on the, on his uh, in one of um, uh, story, one vantage point. The other vantage point said the kid grabbed it, put it on his head. But it's the same event, looking at different angles, if you will. So the lad stretched forth his hand upon the king's head and took the crown from the king's head and placed it on his own head. And when the king and the princes saw the work of which the boy had done, the king and the princes were terrified, and one man to his neighbor expressed astonishment. Of course, you don't touch the king, right? I want a special child. And when, and then to take the crown. 
And when the king and the princes saw the works which the boy had done, the king and the princes were terrified, and one man of his neighbor expressed astonishment. And the king said unto the princes who were before him at the table, What speaks you, and what you, what say you? O ye princes, in the manner of what it is, judgment against the boy on account of this act. What should we do to this young man? And Balaam, the son of Bor, the magician, answered before the king and princes and said, Remember now, O my lord and king, the dream which thou didst dream many days since, and that which your servant interpreted unto you. Now therefore, this is the child from whom the Hebrew children is, in whom is the Spirit of God. And let not my lord, the king, imagine that this youngster did this thing without knowledge. For he is a Hebrew boy, and wisdom and understanding are within him, although he is yet a child, and with wisdom has he done this, and chosen unto himself the kingdom of Egypt. For this is the manner of all the Hebrew to deceive kings and their nobles, to do all things, all these things cunningly, in order to make the kings of the earth and their men tremble. Surely thou knowest that Abraham, their father, acted thus, who deceived the army of Nimrod, king of Babylon, and Abimelech, king of Gera, and that he possessed himself of the land of the children of Heth and all the kingdom of Canaan. And so uh, we did a study about how, and the Bible doesn't go into that, that um, Abraham and Abraham's father was in the king, uh, it was in Nimrod's court. He was one of his uh, higher-ups in Nimrod's um, court. And Abraham was prophesied to be that child that would, his descendants would kill Nimrod um, and his family. And we know that uh, it was Esau that um, killed him. Esau actually cut off his head. Um, and Esau took from Nimrod the, um, the coat that he had. Nimrod's father, grandfather gave him this coat that he had stole from uh, from uh, Noah. And when that coat was Adam's that God had made, and so that was passing down. And Nimrod had it uh, when Nimrod received it when he was 21. That's when it says in the scripture that he became a mighty man when he put that on. And what... Um, when Esau killed him, because when we saw, we talked about the story of Esau uh, when he was late to for the venison to bring to his father. The reason why he was late was that he ran into Nimrod and Nimrod's men. He killed Nimrod and he was hiding from Nimrod's men. And he cut off Nimrod's head and he took that jacket, that um, garment away from him. So that was the backstory. Anyway, let's continue. And that he descended into Egypt and said to Sarah, his wife, she is my sister in order to mislead the Egyptian and her king. And that's uh, stories in the Bible. His son Isaac also did 
So when he went to Gera and dwelt there, and his strength prevailed over the army of Abimelech's king for the Philistine, the Philistine, he also thought of making the kingdom of the Philistines stumble in saying that Rebekah, his wife, was his sister. Jacob also dealt treacherously with his brother, and he took from his hand his birthright and blessing. That was the event when I told you that Esau was late because of that, that treachery that took place. It says, he went then to Pada Aram, to the house of Laban, his mother's brother, and cunningly obtained from him his daughter, his cattle, and all belonging to him, and fled away and returned to the land of Canaan to his father. What was in these guys' life? He is reciting everything that I talked to you guys about favor. God gave these men favor, and so they were able to extract from these places, these kings, their lands and everything when they left, because it told us that favor was upon them, and this happened. And so we know that he did that with a cattle. Remember when the spotted cam um, cows and all that type of stuff? So his son sold their brother Joseph, who went down into Egypt and became a slave and was placed in the prison house for 12 years until the former Pharaoh dreamed dreams and withdrew him from the prison house and magnified him over all the princes in Egypt on account of his interpreting his dreams to him. And when God cursed, caused a famine throughout the land, he sent for and brought his father and all of his brothers and the whole of his father's household and supported them without price or reward and brought the Egyptians for slaves. So we're going to end there. So this guy is reciting the history of um, the Israelite people and uh, based on that incident with the crown. So we're going to pick up um, uh, next podcast on this because we are already uh, in past, way past our 30 minute. But I want to thank you guys that do support us here at uh, our podcast because we I do utilize all of your funds that you give to me. I actually constantly buying stuff. I can't even tell you guys what my library looks like on my Kindle to study to bring more information to you guys so that we can all both grow find out who we are in Christ Jesus so that we can change 